0: I hope you'll enjoy this journey with me as we learn from our Native American guests. And stay tuned for the end of each episode where we'll talk about some great ways to support Native causes and or Native-owned businesses. Let's get started. Hi, y'all. Rachel here. I've been taking my studio on the road this week all over Oklahoma, and we've faced some technical difficulties for a few of these episodes, so please bear with us. The recordings aren't perfect, but hope you'll still enjoy. And thanks again for tuning in, everybody. Take care. Have you heard the nonfiction book about the murders of the Osage people, Killers of the Flower Moon? I'm reading it for the second time right now. Well, Martin Scorsese is directing and producing a movie based on the book And then Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro and a wonderful cast of Native Americans that we'll talk about later will be starring in it. And my guest today had a role in the movie too, so I can't wait to introduce you in just a bit. But first, a word from our sponsor. The Choctaw Nation has always provided a foundation upon which a future can be built. From our home in Southeast Oklahoma to a bingo hall that grew to be one of the largest casinos in the world. Today's summer school programs lay the groundwork for a love of learning small business programs support local economies. And with over 10,000 jobs created, Choctaw offers financial stability to tribal members and our neighbors. Together we build success. Because together we're more. Because this true story took place in Osage County in Oklahoma, the filming is actually happening there. For the love of God, I am so glad the movie is being filmed in Oklahoma. So many movies about Native Americans are filmed in the strangest places. Like, there's nothing like watching a movie about Plains Natives, and there's California palm trees in the background. And if you've ever visited Oklahoma, you'd know there's beautiful prairie, there's rolling hills with trees, desert mountains, and red canyons. So it's about time. I've really enjoyed seeing my friends' posts on Facebook as extras in the movies. I love those sneak peeks of what is to come. And I hear the film will most likely premiere in 2022, so please be sure to keep an eye out for it. Side note, as thrilled as I am that the movie is coming out, and especially that it's set in my home state, I still have to pause to let it sink in that... You know, this this movie brings awareness around just one horrid example of many just despicable things that happen to our indigenous people. It's mortifying. It's heartbreaking. And I hope we'll all come away with the feeling of paying our respects to those who came before us after we've watched the movie. My guest today is loved by everyone he meets. He's a listener, a storyteller, and he truly cares about the folks he meets, and he genuinely wants to know their stories. He's a light in an unsure world. Dear listeners, please meet Mike Mushalatubby Simpson. And Mike, please meet our listeners.
1: It's good to be here. I'm so proud that you. Uh... Took the time to come to see us.
0: Awesome! Oh, and by the way, we are in the Choctaw Casino and Resort here in uh, Durant, Oklahoma today. So we're really excited to have a chance to, um, you know, patron the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma today. So now you have some exciting news about your own involvement in the movie, correct?
1: Yes, it was. Uh, I'm I'm very proud to say that I was in that movie as an extra, and uh, in, in multiple roles. It was a fun experience. I enjoyed nearly every moment of it. We would start with wardrobe in the morning, which would be somewhere around 5.30 in the morning for our call. And then uh, they gave everyone a tag, a number so that we could be identified. So I had a fedora hat and three piece wool suit. I was anywhere in the movie where a well-to-do man was needed. Every person had a tag or multiple tags. So some people were reporters for the train, nurses, Salvation Army people, Young soldiers, Boy Scouts, vagabonds, children, cowboys, and well-to-do and not-so-well-to-do Osage women and men. At one point, there were 392 extras on the set. Wow. That was huge. hmm We had to get up really early that morning to get there. <laughs> it was run like a well-oiled machine. Scorsese, the director, was at the top of that machine. Then below him was Adam. I don't remember his last name, but he was Australian. It was always make this and make that, and he was always asking. He didn't demand, and mm-hmm. I liked that about him. They had more energy than you can even imagine. I, I like I'd like to have what they were drinking. <laughs> they were running up and down the set all the time, and I, when I say running, it was at a very fast-paced walk or a trot. They didn't want you standing around either, especially if you're an extra. You had to have motion. It had to be moving from this place or that place. And so usually they would assign you those types of things. They always wanted action. First command, though, on the movie set was mask off because they had to go through the protocol of making sure that the pandemic wasn't spread. Hmm. If they had one person that came down with the pandemic, they would have to close down the whole shot. Oh, my
0: goodness. And did that happen at all? No, it didn't. In fact,
1: every day they would send us out a wellness report. I still receive them. They're not going to cut you off until the movie's oh. over with, probably. Wow. But every morning early, we received a wellness report, and you had like four questions to answer, and then you just hit at the bottom, and then it'd clear you for the rest of the way. And then every now and then, they would even have spontaneous type, come in early and have a check. So our nose got swabbed a lot. It's talking about moving. Uh, the moving part, we had cues. We had the, once they did the mask off, ready, background action, then we had cues to do what we were supposed to do. They'd tell us, okay, you're supposed to walk here and you're supposed to walk there. If you get to that point and we're still going, turn around and walk back the same way.
0: And I mean, all those little pieces add up to something big. I mean, everybody has to be in their place. And yes, there's a
1: starting point for everybody.
0: Right. Wow.
1: There was a guy uh, that I, ran around with a lot. I met at the hotel. We were staying in Ponca City. And he and his brother, Andy, and Jeff, they were uh, very involved. And Andy had actually been in Dances with the Wolves. Andy and I actually started doing some of our own cueing because sometimes... With 392 people, you just kind of got left out. So we just went ahead and did what we wanted to do. Well, and I
0: mean, you're a pro. You've done this before, right? Yes. This this uh is not your first rodeo or your first movie. That's right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'd even get our own props at different times. One time we were outside the bank, and uh, it was in the Osage lineup to get their headwrite checks. I had kind of formed my own queue. I told this little lady that uh, was standing behind me, I had a lady in front of me and a lady behind me. And there's a sweet little lady, gray-haired lady, that was behind me. I'd already told her that what we're going to do is whenever the cameras start coming through here, they're going to make a turn and go right down the middle of us. And when they do that, I'm going to reach down and take your hand and help you up from the street onto the curb. And there was a guy that uh, I'll mention a little bit later, and his name was not John, but Dom. But that's another story, too. <laughs> but John had uh, had kind of put me in this particular position and whenever I got through shooting that particular scene whenever he saw it because he didn't tell me what to do I just added on my own when I looked over at Dom he was standing he was sitting over there in a crate and he looked at me and gave me a wink and gave me a thumbs up like I like that
0: way to go yeah Yeah, he's like this guy is a pro now when you were on set and everybody was in character and in their costumes and all that, did you just feel like you were transported to another time, like you'd stepped through a time machine? And
1: It did feel that way. Uh, it actually did. Uh, I mean, from the very first time you put on your, your outfit, you know, your clothing, it feels like you've stepped completely back in another generation. Wow. To the time of, of your grandfather. Right. To the time of your grandfather. You know, I was telling you a story about Gary a while ago. Yeah. About uh, Dom and John. Gary came up to me, and that's that's what his name he came up to me and, uh, Dom goes along and he he says, uh, take off your mask. Good, good. Now I want you for uh, this shot over here, Gary. And I looked at him, I said, Mike. And he said, Oh, oh, hey. Okay. He did a double take. Okay, Mike. Well, there's another guy on the set that looks just like you and his name is <laughs> Gary. I, I said, Okay. He said, Well, we will stay close, Mike. And I looked at him and I said, Gary. <laughs> Then he did a double take on me. But the one thing about it was fun about that was he remembered who I was after that because the next time that he called me out, he didn't call out Gary. He didn't talk call out Mike. He called out Mike Simpson. Okay, Mike Simpson, we want you to do this.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Hey, they remember now. (laughs) Maybe they're like, there's that troublemaker. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Cool story though. I mean, they remember your name. I mean when there's three hundred and ninety two extras. You know, sure. it's easy to get lost in the
1: crowd. So, well, I've always told my kids and, and other kids do something that makes people remember who you are.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, so how did you come to play a role in the movie?
1: Uh, I went through Frahofer Casting out of Norman. They got in touch with me and I was on their particular talent list. Uh, this was the first week in March in 2020 when I first heard about it. My cousin and I went to Oklahoma City for. Just an audition type thing. Then the shuffle of the uh, COVID came around, and we just thought that everything had just kind of disappeared. You know, yeah. we just went off the map. We thought, well, maybe they're not even going to have that movie, or we didn't make it. You know, right. so we we were lost.
0: And yet they did call you back, and turns out it was really a thing, and you were going to be in the movie. It's exciting.
1: It was exciting.
0: <laughs> well, and, and for me too because I read the book years ago, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, mm-hmm. and and then I had heard not too long after that or somewhere in that time frame that Leonardo DiCaprio, and I may have had my facts wrong, but something about how he was going to try to make the movie out of the book. And so my my husband and I kept looking for it to come out. And it's like, it's never coming out. And then we kept hearing rumors of it starting to film, but not film. And then COVID happened. So same with me. I thought, well, they're never going to make that movie. So you were kind of going through the same thing, I guess.
1: Well, everybody's lives were in hold for a while, weren't they?
0: Yeah, true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think we kind of just want to forget that all here. I know. <laughs> I Except we can't, because we all gained weight, so it's a daily reminder. Um, so I'm looking forward to learning more in just a bit um, about the movie and, and more from your side of the great stories you had from the making of the movie, but I wanted to back up just a little bit and learn more about your world. What tribe are you from, and in what city were you born?
1: Well, Rachel, I was born in Hugo, Oklahoma, and my dad was a full-blood Choctaw, my mom was Irish and English. And when I was little, I remember sitting on my grandpa's porch, and his name was John Simpson. He was really old by that time. And I asked him what my Indian name was. He looked down at me and said, Warrior Crawls on Belly. And I thought, well, that's my name. And as it turned out later on, I found that it wasn't my name. It was our family name. When the Choctaws came from Mississippi in uh, between 1828 and 1832, they were given names in cases when the English-speaking people could not understand or pronounce their names. They were given English names. In this Mississippi, when they came over to Oklahoma, some even changed their names. And in my particular case, they asked my grandfather what his name was. And I say grandfather. It would be been my great-great-grandfather. He asked him what his name was, and uh, he couldn't speak English. And the people behind him said that in Mississippi, they called him Simpson's Man because he worked for a blacksmith in Mississippi by the name of Simpson. So when I talk with students, sometimes I'll tell them this story, and they'll sit there in awe about it a little bit, and I'll talk to them about it, and then I'll say, I know how I got my name. Do you know how you got your name?
0: I mean, that's rare. Most people don't. They They really don't know. Uh -uh.
1: My grandfather was born in 1883 in Carthage, Mississippi. We're kind of unsure about that because uh sometimes the people would actually go back to Mississippi to where they were from and have their children. And then if you go to this area in Car- around Carthage, Mississippi, that's where they had some that were called, you know, just the Choctaws from Mississippi Choctaws. Yeah. And so I don't know that if he was a Mississippi Choctaw and then he came here and got their land or if they came here and... Then they went back bad. to have a yeah, baby. because
0: 1883 was long after the removal. Yes. So, yeah, it's a good yeah, question.
1: Yeah, yeah. He uh, stayed and could have, have actually just uh, stayed there in Mississippi as it worked out, you know. Missletubby, mm-hmm. uh, if you look up Mishletubby, was a chief. And if you Google it, it comes out to determine the kill. So if you find it that way, and then if you look up, sometimes you look up the the name Mishletubby and it will say lie down to kill. And so, if you look at the translations, they could have been either way in that case. Lie down to kill could have possibly meant either one of them, just depending on what translation you had for it.
0: Interesting.
1: As far as my background goes, my dad grew up being a coach for us. He wasn't a teacher, but he coached baseball, coached American Legion baseball, and back in the day, Sandlot baseball. And Mm -hmm. so, we grew up Mm -hmm. on the baseball diamonds, my brother and I did. We got our coaching from him, and then... We both became coaches ultimately too. Uh, my brother's pretty well known in Oklahoma. He's in three different uh Hall of Fames in Oklahoma for his key uh coaching abilities. That's great. And his name is Alan. I'm proud of you. All right. Then I coached and uh I played football on the last football team at Murray State College in Tishomingo. They have T shirts over there that uh, say undefeated since nineteen sixty six.
0: Woohoo. You had a hand in that. Yeah,
1: I did. <laughs> then my first job was teaching school at Valley in Oklahoma, and then I left there after a year and taught school at Riverside Indian School. And
0: my dad actually taught at Riverside as well. So and it's I funny. knew your
1: dad, Keith, very well. <laughs> so we talked about that. We shared stories about him. And
0: then what what did you teach at Riverside?
1: I taught history. Okay. You know, most his, most uh, coaches taught, teach history. If you really look back on your time, you can think about a lot of them. They didn't teach math or they didn't teach science. <laughs> right. No, you know, I'll, I'll take history. I'll,
0: I'll take history. <laughs> <laughs> so did you, at Riverside, did you actually teach Native American history in a greater degree than you would get maybe in the public schools?
1: You know, you go along with the books.
0: Mm.
1: And, and that's mm. still going on today. It's just like this right here. This yeah. story is not in any history books as far as Oklahoma history goes. And that's where it should be. Yeah. And it should be a, 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 a at least a footnote in, in U.S. history.
0: All right. Well, Mike, um, let's see. Then after you taught at Riverside, you went into life insurance business, right? Yeah. I
1: worked for the New York Life for about uh, 15 years. After I got out of that a little bit, then I went into selling uh, janitorial supplies at a company out of Ada.
0: Okay.
1: Presently reside in Durant, Oklahoma, right here where we are. Most recently, as you know, I was just uh, one of the extra guys. And I don't like to, I don't know why I said just. i I've been taught a long time ago, never use the word just.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It was a great opportunity that you had. And you played multiple parts. You were on set a lot. A yeah. lot. Really yeah, we exciting. were on
1: set a lot. It was fun. It was it's enjoyable. Great.
0: And are you still filming now?
1: No. And and I had to get out a little bit early because my I had trouble with my feet.
0: Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I got
1: out a little bit early. It's all and, that
0: basketball coaching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something I've loved about the production of this movie is that they actually use natives from the area and, and even from afar, correct?
1: Yes. That was the fun part to me of the whole thing is getting together because I hadn't really been together with natives to that extent. You know, we have Choctaws here and there are functions and things that that go on, but it's not like it was, say, like at Riverside. And all of a sudden, everything flipped back on me. It was like I was at Riverside again. Wow! And we were playing jokes and and Indian humor is just different than... Any other humor. And yes, it
0: is, actually. It's, it's
1: very it's, different. It's very different.
0: It's very different. It's a lot of cutting up, and right? <laughs> it, it is, and it,
1: it carries on. It doesn't end at the joke at the time, whatever it was. And I'm, I'm talking about not a joke, but just something funny that was said. But it's, it carries on. And I mean, like, the next day, it <laughs> might even come back up again. It's and, 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 still going. And, oh, yeah, it's still going. And then... Missing the people going a, a, a. yeah.
0: A. <laughs> when I moved away from Oklahoma and would try to say a people looked at me so weird and, and being, being with so those
1: people because if you really think about it and I've always I've thought about this for a long time when your, your dad and I were teaching there which was in the 1970s a hundred years before that mm-hmm. which is not very long in fact it seems shorter every year for me but a hundred years before that. Those people's grandparents were riding wild. The the kids that we had there, their grandparents or great grandparents were running wild on the ponies Hunting right through buffalo. Anadarko. Yeah, well, right. I don't know if they were chasing buffalo at that time because they were probably all gone from down here. But you know, they were they were still just riding horses, just yeah. like they did, like you'd see in a movie.
0: And there's tons of pictures in Anadarko of. The natives oh, yeah. riding around Anadarko before it was a oh, yeah. city and and all that stuff because there were you know a lot of people taking pictures down there when they were trying to settle the area more and and also Riverside has even come a long way. I know that just like a lot of boarding schools, it wasn't always the easiest place to be, and kids have been ripped from their homes to be placed in a lot of those boarding schools. Right. But look at Riverside today, and look at what the good things they're doing to try to keep the language alive and really you know teach a lot of these kids their culture. Whether they knew it coming from a reservation or maybe they were living in more urban areas and then they come to Riverside and now all of a sudden they get to be around other natives and learn their culture and their language. and I, It's something I really am trying to share with people because I think with all the news lately about the bodies they're finding at the boarding schools, especially in Canada recently, I think the good boarding schools of today that are being run by natives for natives mm-hmm. are really getting a bad rap too. And we need to make sure folks really get the real word on what's happening.
1: Uh, one of the actresses in the movie, and we'll talk about her in a little bit, is Lily Gladstone. And she's a huge advocate of what you're talking about. Cool. I've started following her on Instagram. And as I told you, I love her hard already. Yeah. You crossed over the Washita a lot going to uh, out to Riverside. Mm-hmm. Did you know that Washita was, I always thought it was probably a Kiowa name, but it's a word, but it's actually a Choctaw word. Is it really? It's It's a Choctaw word. It means big hunt oh. and that's one of these days I've instructed my children that I will be uh, when I'm cremated to be put into the Ouachita River because big hunt what's a better choice of, of going just going to the big hunt love that yeah
0: I love that man you're gonna get us all teary I know
1: it doesn't oh take us long. I know
0: <laughs> Well, so that's great. I love the story of so many tribes coming together to make this movie. I mean, how often will something like this happen in our lifetime? So before we go any further, I don't want to give away too much information or too many spoilers about the true story of the Osage murders, but I'll tell just a bit. So in Osage County in Oklahoma, in the 1920s, there was a time frame deemed the reign of terror. This was during the oil boom and with the land allotments given to the Osage, 1.5 million acres in Northeast Oklahoma- the Osage lucked out and became prosperous with their heck of a rich mineral rights. So then the tribe would distribute royalties from the profit to each Osage allottee. This was called a head right, which is a word that Mike used earlier. Where things went wrong is head rights could be passed on through inheritance, and therefore white folks were marrying Osage allottees just for the money and inheritance from those royalties. Now, when I'm telling you the royalties made the Osage rich, it was reported that each Osage had approximately 11 cars. (laughs) They had servants, many times white servants, chauffeurs, and mansions. So again, there were people out there who wanted a piece of that wealth. In the 1920s, the Osage Reservation brought in $27 million a year with their over 8,000 wells. Something that's absolutely astonishing but was very common in that time was that the government eventually passed a law where white people deemed as guardians could so-called protect, in quotes, the Osage with all their newfound wealth and manage their money for them because they were seen as incapable of managing it themselves. And of course, this led to the guardians receiving a fee for their services and controlling the money. And in some cases, they would allot such a small allowance that the Osage would end up in debt, borrowing from their guardians. And later, they were forced to turn in their assets to pay for their debts. There's so much more to that side of the story, such as the guardians were eventually caught and only 24 were charged but settled out of court. It's just so unjust. But let's take a break from the story, because speaking of stories, Mike... You have met such interesting people on the set, so tell us about it.
1: Well, it was more than just being on a movie set. It was a chance for many of us, as we just got to discussing Natives, to be able to be a part of something that happened within our state and as well get to know each other. We had some very good folks there that I met, and uh, I enjoyed every minute just talking with them.
0: Yeah.
1: It was so much fun. I met a woman who's Cherokee, and she had another name, but we called her Charlie because that's the way she went. She was actually a former Marine. And you could actually pick out Charlie because she always walked out. She was in a drill, you know, with her shoulders back and doing everything. And I just loved her. She was a neat gal. My dad actually had lost an eye, uh, his right eye. I, I never knew my dad to have two eyes. And the reason I bring that up is because Charlie had lost her left eye and one night we were going to eat, and she says, I'm on your right, and I go, oh, I said, have you lost an eye, and she said, yes, I said, well, I never did know that, and uh, I said, my dad lost an eye, so you know, it's, it, I, under, I understand why you're telling me where you are, so that yeah. you know that you're in, in wow. so anyway, she was a neat gal, and she has, but she has cancer, and that's the reason she lost her eye, then there was David Echohawk, David was one fun man. I, I loved watching David talk. And when I say watching David talk, you actually watched his hands. He did it like the old way. Everything that he'd do, it's like if if they were running, he would...
0: Make the running running. And
1: then he'd say they went and then, you know, use his gesture this way and that. Everything he would talk, he would use his hands, just like you would see the old Indians do. Like the sign language. Like a sign language, like you'd see in a movie, you know, Mm -hmm. and how they could communicate. That's
0: a lost art right there, too. And, you
1: know, I thought it's pretty interesting that David's last name was Echo Hawk, which probably is a good reason why he was called Echo Hawk, you know.
0: Right. (laughs) 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 Nice man.
1: And then there was Che. Che Nichols was uh, the fun girl on the set. She was, if you ever heard a spontaneous laugh just come out of nowhere, you knew that Che was somewhere around. But what's funny about Che was, was that she was Eskimo. Mm-hmm. And so they put her in it, and just because she looked the part anyway. Right. And so she worked out perfectly. It's
0: nice to see some Eskimo representation right. in there.
1: What are they? So I uh, also was uh, married to about nine different women during the show because, you know, <laughs> you just didn't do stuff with men. Uh, one of the women I was married to was the gal that was actually, uh, you had all kinds of occupations there. David, uh, I was talking about a while ago, David, he's a grant writer for the Oto Missouri tribe. Mm-hmm. And all these people took off their jobs to be able to do this wow. stuff. I mentioned a while ago, Che, the little Eskimo girl, she watches over 12 kids, grandkids and wow. and kids just, you know. And so it was a vacation for her to be able to go up there and do this stuff. Mm-hmm. No wonder she was laughing all the time. She was the happiest person there. <laughs> but there was one little lady there that I actually was married to, and, and uh, she was a relative of Molly, Wow, Molly in the, from it, yeah, the story. From the story yeah. She's a
0: great, great granddaughter yeah, or something, right? That's, that's something that, yeah. fascinating.
1: We had a guy that, that was Arapahoe and he was from El Reno. And, uh, it was one of the funnier stories that happened. The whole thing was he came up to me and uh, we were at lunch and he said, I'm supposed to get my picture taken with you. And I said, Oh, really? And he said, Well, well, I said, what happened? He said, Well, my kids were talking and said they were, they were talking about, well, do you know this man? And he said, "Yes, I, I know this man. I see him. I talked to him." He said, "Well, you need to get your picture taken with him, Papa, because you just got to have your picture taken with him." They didn't ask for Leonardo; they asked for me. <laughs> but that's the power.
0: They know talent when they see it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's just the power of our mass media. Like that, they yeah. s- s- they saw my picture through person, through a person, <laughs> through a person, and all of a sudden I was He's famous. That famous guy. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah.
0: awesome.
1: I had a gal from here in Durant that got in touch with me. Her name is Sheila Carbon, and she had a daughter that had gone to school at OSU. And she says, there's a guy up there working there, uh, just like you as an extra, and he's uh, had gone to school with Ashley at OSU, mm-hmm. and he is a vagabond, and he's got a derby hat on. And I said, do you know who it is? And I said, uh, I think I know who it is. I said, I haven't met him, but I think I know who he is. And she said, well, his name is Tom, T-H-O-M. And I said, well, I'll try to look him up. And so the next day, I wasn't looking him up. It just happened we crossed paths. Right. And I he's sitting there talking to another guy. And I walked up to him and I said, Tom. And he turned his head and looked at me, kind <laughs> of shocked. And I said, T-H-O-M? <laughs> and he said, yes. He said, do I know you? I said, no, I don't think so. He said, well, how do you know my name? And I stuck my hand on his shoulder And I was holding like this, and I said, because I'm clairvoyant. He got a grid, I said, let me think. You go to school at OSU, you are a drama major. He said, yes, yes. He said, does my mother know you? And I said, is your mother single, or is she married? He said, she's married. And I said, oh.
0: Then probably not.
1: (laughs) And so then I said, well, no. Who do you know in Durant, Oklahoma? He said, oh, Ashley Curbin.
0: <laughs> and Sheila
1: Carbon." I said, well, they told me to get in touch with you.
0: I really was like, how in the world does this man know? It was fun. That's great. I love all these stories. And that's part of the reason I wanted to talk to you on this podcast, because again, this this podcast is about our ancestors' stories, the stories of what our community is doing today and all that. And, you know, I, I would see all these picture stories you'd put on. You'd put on pictures of you standing near, this gal and talking about Che and all the good things that she's doing in her life. And so thanks for sharing those with us. And I'm sure these are going to be lifelong friends for you. Back to our story of the Osage. So all of a sudden, these wealthy Osage were starting to die very suspicious deaths, but wouldn't you know, the coroner would put out false death certificates saying some had committed suicide or had kidney disease when really a lot of them were being poisoned. There's a key person in this story named Molly, as we talked about earlier. Her great-great-granddaughter was on the set as an extra. And Molly's three sisters all died mysterious deaths. Again, I don't want to share too much, but I have to say I love Molly. She is one tough cookie. She and her family survived multiple attacks, poisoning, shootings, bombings, all in an effort to inherit head rights. Even though she lost her sister, she still soldiered on. You go, Molly Burkhart. She's like come after me you greedy people what else you got so much chaos surrounded these events for instance some white citizens tried to help the Osage and they were even murdered like thrown from a train and other drama but we'll get back to that in a second Mike you've met the actress who will play Molly correct you talked about her a little earlier tell us more about any interactions if any that you had with her during the filming
1: she was just such a seemed like such a down-to-earth person she was uh her smile is just angelic. I'm just I'm really curious about the uh, moviegoers that if they will see that in her.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: What what, what their impressions? Her, yeah. yeah, what their impressions going to be of this girl because when she smiled and I knew nothing about her as until afterwards when I started finding out more information about yeah. her of what she was really like. And it fit what I saw in her. And it, sometimes that doesn't fit the people. Mm-hmm. You know, You they come across as one way and they're actually another way. But she felt, I felt like she was just exactly the person that I'd seen in that.
0: And, and what was her name again?
1: Her name is Lily Gladstone.
0: Lily Gladstone. Remember that name, y'all?
1: Yep. She's quite a gal, I think. She's quite a gal. Oh, and then uh, I'd already seen Leonardo DiCaprio from a distance. Okay. We had holding stations. And so a lot of times you'd be able to look out and see who was coming and who was going. And so Leonardo had already come and gone several different times like that. We had a scene in the book that is uh, about the Osage having a delegation and going to Washington DC. This is kind of typical of that era that a lot of people, a lot of tribes would, you know, dress up, get their, their representatives and they would go to Washington if they had. Something they want to try to get over across to Washington. Mm -hmm. And so this was a scene like that. Leonardo had come out there and uh, we were having this scene, as I said, and I was in that particular group and there were probably about 50 of us and we were all kind of dressed a little bit differently. There were some that were dressed in black hats and black coats and they were the delegates and you'll see it in the movie. Yeah. And then As the movie, as this shot's going on, there's a person up there in the front that's taking pictures in one of those old box cameras. And we've gone through that a couple of times, you know, and Leonardo walks up and he's probably oh like about 10 feet away from me. And he looks at all of the natives right there and he just pauses a second as he looks, he scans across and he kind of in a whisper says, amazing. And I thought it was amazing, you know, because it hit me because here we were all of us together, you know, yeah. I mean, they, yeah, we weren't all together because, you know, a lot of people were in the in the scene anyway. But the point is, is I was glad I was in that scene. Yeah. Because the well-to-do man still got in somehow or another, but <laughs> then you had the delegates there too. But there were about 50 of us there. There weren't all delegates is what I'm saying.
0: I love that he just, he got it. Like he, he saw that moment and saw when you were all standing together and It's rare that we see that anymore where Native Americans are together and especially people that don't live in Oklahoma. And it sounds like he just gets it. It's a rare moment when you guys all came together to tell a story that needed to be told. And like you said, there are some people that were away from their jobs during this time to film, right? Oh, yeah.
1: Every one of these people had something to do.
0: I love that you wanted to get to know all these people that were your fellow Natives and you're out there for this great, great story that is horrible and yet educational all at the same time. It is. It, it is. is. And I'm so excited that, that the cast of actors playing Natives are truly Native. I mentioned earlier how odd it is that Oklahoma is full of amazing scenery and Native history, so it's baffling why more films aren't made here. Not to mention there's a plethora of films about Indians that don't use Indians. I could get totally on a soapbox about this. It's, it's just shocking to me. Hollywood. There are still natives remaining in this country, you know. And since I was born and raised in a town in Oklahoma that has more American Indians than anywhere in the world, I've just never understood why natives aren't allowed or or asked to play native roles. I've also heard the producers worked with the Osage Nation, by the way, and even had a native liaison come in to ensure the, the native actors were respected and well heard. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. I haven't heard, but we did have some Osage that on the set that did that sort of thing, that they'd come along and make sure that you're you're holding your blanket right or uh, your yeah. blanket was tucked in because some men wore them tucked in around their waist and things like that. Make sure that everything was up to standards, what the Osages were doing.
0: I love that. Good. Nice and authentic. So what other Native actors will be in the movie?
1: Well, Molly Barkhart, uh, as I said a while ago, will be played by Lily Gladstone, who is a Blackfoot Nez Paris, and she's the lead actress. Then Molly's husband, Ernest uh, Burkhart, will be played by Leonardo DiCaprio. Ernest is also the nephew of William Bill Hale. (laughs) And he'll be played by Robert De Niro. Then of Cree and Matisse is uh, Tattoo Cardinal. And a lot of you probably maybe have heard of Tattoo Cardinal. She was in Several movies. She plays Molly Burkhardt's mother, Lizzie Q. Cardinal. Okay. And, uh, she's one of the, uh, famous Indian country uh, type players, you know, as, mm-hmm. as far as football, as uh, far as movies go. She was in, uh, Dances with Wolves and a hundred films and, and, TV types appearances. She's a, a very strong actress. She was, Graham Greene's wife in Dances, Dances with Wolves. Wolves. That's what it was. Over out. 100 films. She's, 100 she has films. a
0: great resume. Yeah,
1: she's Canadian. And she's from Den Cree and Matisse and Nakota tribes. Then there's Molly's older sister, Anna Brown. And she'll be played by Kara Jade Myers, who's from the Wichita tribe. Then we've got uh, Janae Collins, who plays Rita Smith, Molly's younger sister. She is a Fort Peck uh, Ashunabee. And Sioux tribe, and also half Crow. Uh, Minnie Smith, Molly's younger sister, will be played uh, by Jillian Dion, who is Canadian and Plains Cree and uh, Matisse descent. And finally, we have uh, Nathaniel Arkand, also from Canada, and he's of Cree descent. There's several Indians in there. You know, I was mm-hmm. watching a, a movie the other night. One of my favorite movies was is Hondo, okay. a John, old John Wayne movie.
0: Yeah,
1: I don't think there was one. Indian in the whole scene. They had right. hundreds chasing John Wayne, you know. There was a lot lot of Indians there, but I didn't see one single Indian and they all had on wigs. So if you'll notice in this movie, not only are there Indians there, but they wanted to make sure they had long hair. And a lot of them had much longer hair than me. And so it, they, they were looking for the authentic
0: look. That's right. And I mean, those John Wayne movies like you're talking about, they've got the like the red face paint on, almost orange, and then they have these terrible wigs. I was, like, where did they get these yeah. wigs? And where, then they they say, how you know, like the words that they say are not even a lot of times. Or like, like,
1: or like in McClintock when he says, "Where's the whiskey?" Right. Now, why do we have to put that in the stereotype Indians and right. saying, "Where's the
0: whiskey?" Right. <laughs> I know, it's it's about time. So all those Native Americans that you just mentioned that will be in the movie, that's great. Plus, as you said, 300 plus extras that are Native, most of them Native American. Well, it's, 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 it's
1: a it's pretty good mix, but there's a lot of okay. you know Caucasian people too, because there's all yeah. kinds of people that are doing all different things, like we said a while ago. It's just unbelievable. So
0: another person of interest in this story who you mentioned was a wealthy, prominent rancher and landowner named William Hale who proclaimed himself king of the Osage Hills. When I first read Killers of the Flower Moon, it it hit home a bit. Uh, My own great-grandmother, Ella, full-blood Choctaw, who died when I was 26, she experienced a similar situation to some degree. So Ella was born in 1903, and she was sold at age three for a couple thousand dollars to her white guardian, J.D. Anderson, wealthiest landowner in Sulphur, Oklahoma. And she wasn't the only one in her family sold to Mr. Anderson, Her half-sister Mary Bell and her aunts and uncles were also sold to him in servitude. So the goal was to take their land allotments, but also to use them as basically slaves in his household. At one point, her uncle Cicero shot a gun into the house of J.D. Anderson, trying to kill him. But Mr. Anderson survived. The newspapers read, Indian makes attempt to kill. The motivation for the shooting was Cicero was trying to retrieve his land allotments back from J.D., And, of course, he was seen in the town as a drunk and a troublemaker, even though he was the one who was actually wronged. I just feel some sort of similarity between William Hale and my great-grandmother's guardian, J.D. Anderson. And I know I'm keeping you guys on the edge of your seats. I won't go further into William Hale's role in this story for risk of spoilers. But I hear Robert De Niro, you know, who played William Hale. Interesting fact, he had an injury on the set. So do you know anything about that?
1: Yeah, he had a kind of an accident, kind of... Just took a bad step. Sometimes you do that. Uh, I wasn't there when it happened, but apparently he was stepping over something and uh, tore his quad. So Oof, he, he was already planned to leave to go back to New York City and and have a, a point right there to, to do something. So it worked out pretty well for him, I think. And I believe what they said was he didn't have many things that he was going to have to move around for for the rest of his scene. So that's pretty good.
0: Well, there you go. T- <laughs> I guess if you have to hurt your quad, that's how to go. But wishing him a quick recovery. So back to the true story of the Osage killings. I mentioned there is so much to this story. The newly formed FBI solidified partly because of these murders. After years of corrupt law enforcement, judges, coroners, And more, the FBI stood against the old Wild West form of justice that had been prevalent in certain parts of the country at that time. And speaking of Wild West... My mom and sister were visiting Pawhuska, Oklahoma, the other day, since my mom lives not too far from there, so they could see how it had been turned back into a western town. And the streets were filled with dirt again, and it looked like 1920s Oklahoma. And I'm actually going there this week to hang out in Pawhuska, so I'm really excited to to see it for myself. So, Mike, I'd love to hear more about your time on the set and how it probably looked like you had, again, taken a ride in a time machine, so do tell.
1: Well, it it was like a time machine uh, with all the authenticity, they came into Pahuska and just, uh, put a facelift on it, put storefronts and, and built buildings in spaces so that it looked just exactly like, and, and actually they made Pahuska look like Fairfax because the story is around Fairfax okay. and not Pahuska. Okay. And the reason, and I drove over to Fairfax one day, uh, just to see what it looked like. And Fairfax has really wide streets. And so I was talking with someone there about that. And they said the reason that they didn't use Fairfax is because the streets were so wide that they, they couldn't get the cameras. Oh. To, because it was too it's too wide Yeah, they needed the both ca- views yeah. of
0: the each side of the street. Exactly. Okay. Huh. And
1: so then they brought in just like you would, like a uh, like a professional rodeo event type thing, and brought in dirt and put it on the wow. on the surface of the concrete, and and they went from there.
0: I wonder what the stores are doing there. Did they just close down during this time, or I'm
1: sure they're getting paid.
0: <laughs> They're like, go ahead. Go, go ahead. In front Shoot of my another store. year. <laughs> <laughs> That's exciting. Anything else you can think of about um, the sets or the, the, shooting? the
1: set? One of the things that I always find funny is because a lot of times we would be filming and start off one scene and start it at uh, two or three o'clock and not finish it up until seven o'clock, or almost eight wow. o'clock. And it's going to be interesting to see how they handle those shadows of the sun. Mm. and how it varies. So this is a little tip for you guys as you're watching a movie. Look for the shadows. And then a lot of times we would have, you know, one of those Oklahoma thunderstorms that came through. Oh, yeah. And dump a bunch of water on that dirt that was out there on the ground. People in so Hollywood day,
0: are like, what is this? Yeah.
1: So what? at some point you're going across and watching the movie, and and you'll see it, and it'll be just dry. Yeah. And then just be looking to see if there's going to be some wet mud puddles around. And you'll think, <laughs> Well, that changed. Wait a minute! <laughs> that's that's not the way it was before.
0: Oh, I'll be keeping my eagle eye yeah. on that. And you know
1: what? The, all you know the thing that's that's really good that the things behind the scene that everybody really never gets to see the people that you and I have discussed about about makeup and wardrobe. I mean, it's it's one of those things that uh, you have to get there at five thirty. It sounds you know neat and romantic, but you I'd have to get up at four o'clock to get there at five thirty. They want you to almost be ready by five thirty. Wow, you know what I'm saying. And so you had to go through, uh, get your hair done and have your makeup. Before you did that, you went through wardrobe. Then you came back out and mm-hmm. you had a guy by the name uh, of Joe. He was the head wardrobe guy. And Joe would uh, walk down the line and check everybody out to see if everybody was just exactly the way they were supposed to. And then you could move on. And he'd do this with the next group and they'd move on and the next group and they'd move on. We would all get there on the set. We'd all be ready, and we called Leonardo number one. And then everybody, in particular the Indians, they would say, well, we're ready. Where's number one? (laughs) Where's number one? You can't have a movie like that without having those people. You have people that are cooks.
0: Right, absolutely. And they
1: have two sets of cooks. This one's for the crew, and this one's for the extras. And then there's another one for the stars somewhere, you know. Right. right. But they fed us really well. And and it it just managed to, to be able to do that to feed that many people. You wow. know, at one time, like I said, all there's these almost these like 400 members. Oh my yeah. gosh. Probably the largest bunch was that 392 that we had. There, there probably wow. was not a bigger amount than that right that's there.
0: A lot of mouths to feed. I heard the other day that one of the kitchens caught on fire. I
1: heard that too. Oh my goodness.
0: Yeah. But yeah. nobody was hurt. Yeah, that's all, what I heard all too. All as well. I mean, yeah. it's it's all these things that you probably never would know happens on the back end.
1: When you pull in, you start because you, you pull into parking and you have to have people at the gate there that when you pull into park, they're checking different things like your test for the COVID, you know that type yeah. of stuff. There, then you check in oh. again, and then there's people checking you in. And like I said, a while ago, there's all there's wardrobe, and then there's all the other people. Mm-hmm. And these same people will go out on the set, in particular the people that are the makeup and the hair, mm-hmm. so that they'll check to make sure, and they'll they'll blob you and put more makeup on or whatever else like that, and yeah. or fix your hair, and it's just an army. And it's just, it's amazing just to watch how this all works, how it's all put together and and it fits. And it's, it's, it's amazing. It really uh, is.
0: I can't even imagine being the coordinator full of that. How did they do your hair in the movie? Was it two braids? Was it all back it's, in it's the... two
1: braids. Yeah. yeah. It was two braids. Well, I tried out for a part and uh I didn't get it. And the lady, we did this virtually, you know, I went to my daughter's in Tulsa and mm-hmm. so we did it virtually and they were in California. So she said she liked my look. Anyway, you know, and I said, how long have you wanted to be in? Did you ever do any acting? She said, and I said, uh, senior play. And she, <laughs> and she said, well, how long do you want to be an actor? And I said, all oh, my life. But anyway, I, I, I just enjoyed it. It is, it's, it's fulfilling to those people that like to do that sort of thing, to mm-hmm. be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this I do actually for my own grandchildren and their children, that sort of stuff like that. Yeah. Because so, you can look back and say, exactly. look at that movie. There's booty. my grandpa. There's your papa. so How on. many people can say that?
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. What a great legacy you're yeah. leaving behind. It's such a wonderful story of folks coming together to bring these events to light so that we can learn and better understand what the Osage experienced as well. Congress in 1925 passed a law which then prohibited non-Osage from being given head rights from Osage who have more than half Osage blood. But unfortunately, it was too little too late, and the damage had been done. The murders resulted in a scattering of the tribe. Many Osage were terrified to stay in the area. So, for those of you who haven't already read the book, who was responsible for 25 to possibly hundreds of the Osage murders? You'll have to read the book or watch the movie to find out. And if you do, write to me on Facebook or Instagram. I want to know what you think. That's Native Chalk Talk on Facebook and on Instagram. I'll leave you with this, my dear listeners. In 1928, a chief of the Osage said, Someday, this oil will go and there will be no more fat checks every month from the great white father. There'll be no fine motor cars and new clothes. Then I know my people will be happier. There must be a lesson for all of us in there, Mike. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you. Thank you for sharing about your experience on the set. And I'll be sure to look for you when I watch the movie and I'll say, hey, I know that guy.
1: Well, it was my pleasure. I've really been looking forward to, one, to get to meet you, but I've told so many people that I was going to be on a podcast because I I listened to podcasts. That's oh, what we've great. already talked about. Good. So uh, it's a coming thing, and I enjoyed being here, and I had lots of fun.
0: Well, just like uh, you're, you'll have that legacy in the in the movies, now you'll also have that legacy in podcast. That's exactly so right. High fives to you, my friend. Hi, Take bye. care. Thanks so much. Thank you. Are you looking for a new adventure? Learn to fly at Chickasha Wings.
1: And here at Chickasha Wings, we teach people to fly. We've got 11 airplanes, nine flight instructors, and about five mechanics. We turn out about 80 new certificates or ratings each year. And we train pilots who now fly at the major airlines. We have, they fly for the Air Force, the FAA, for private jets, they even have a few missionary pilots. Our customers come from all over the United States. Here at Chickasha, we're able to provide lower costs, a more focused training program, and we're able to provide a higher level of customer service. My favorite thing about this business is helping people because I see people go from not knowing anything about it to being an airline pilot. Come out here and learn to fly.
0: Your adventure awaits at Chickasha Wings. For more information, check out chickashawings.com. Thanks for listening to Native Chalk Talk. Be sure to join our community on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Simply search for Native Chalk Talk. That's Native, C H O C T A L K. And check us out at nativechalktalk.com. Stay tuned for the next episode. You're going to love it. Yakoki! Thank you, my friends.